Welcome, everybody, to the Crystal Basketball Podcast. Today, I'm your host, Rashad Landers. I'm here joined by Ethan Fuller. Um, and today, we're probably talking about four more top recruits. Usually, you guys know we have a series going on. Um, today's recruits are J.D. Davidson, A.J. Griffin, Peyton Watson, and Kendall Brown. And, uh, you know, how are you doing today, Ethan? I'm pretty good. I, I'm, I'm really excited about this group. Um, we've been talking about these guys for a long time. There are a couple players who... I watched for the first time and they blew me away. Um, one in particular, I think I'd have as a, not to kind of tease it, but I think I'd have him as a top, maybe top three in this, in this class. So there, like, there are some guys I really like in this group. So I'm excited. Top three. I'm interested to see, because if you look at the list that we have today, guys, none of these guys are, are like even close to the top three besides AJ Griffin, uh, which I probably think he's going to talk about. But um, we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. We're going to start off with J.D. Davidson today, guys. Uh, 6'2 point guard who's actually cutting his list down and he's committing today. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. But we're going to start off with Ethan. Uh, Ethan's J.D. Davidson breakdown. Yeah, so my, my initial thoughts from J.D. Davidson, actually the first time I took a look at him was on accident. When I was watching the Atlanta Celtics um, on our last episode, I was looking at Jabari Smith and this other, this other guard – a lot of hair is just flying around the court and kind of making crazy moves, able to get to the basket at will. And he popped it up to me. turns out it was JV, JD Davison. Sorry. Um, he is a electric high flyer, really kind of the premier, what you think of as a mixtape highlight guard. He can get to the rim at will. Um, fantastic knifing through traffic, uh, can break down anyone off the dribble, a great burst, uh, just elite, finishing at the rim can dunk on anyone lethal in transition because he's just so fast. Um, and that really is kind of what sets the tone for JD Davison in that mold. Obviously it's, it's lazy and probably pretty easy to compare him to a De'Aaron Fox or a Russell Westbrook. They're not, he's not the same as them, but he is that kind of like plays at a hundred miles an hour all the time. Whenever he's, whenever he's on the court, um, he's got, he's got some potential with his jump shot. Um, the games that I watched didn't seem like it was something he went to um, a whole lot. He has the ability to hit shots from almost, I'd say all three levels at times, just he, for him, he needs to kind of seek it out more. looks like he's too easy for him to just look towards the rim, look to drive. Um, but yeah, Davison obviously is a highlight real player. Um, and again, get him in transition, get him with a finisher, and he's going to be tough to stop for sure. And, yeah, to highlight on what you said, um, J.D. Davison, what, the thing about his jump shot is uh, we've seen the proven ability of the jump shot because of his athleticism. His natural athleticism allows him to get height on his jump shot. So a lot of times the shot I mainly see him take is a mid-range fadeaway where it's kind of a bounce dribble into the fadeaway leaning out of bounds, which is a very tough shot, but he hits it a lot. And when it comes to the threes, I don't see a lot of threes from him, but his jump shot will make it like flat line because of how high he jumps. So I think his whole game, would you say that it revolves around his athleticism? I'd say, I'd say right now. Yeah. And, and that not, isn't necessarily a super bad thing right now, just because at his level, he's able to use it to his advantage a lot. And he's a, he's a solid 
I would say slightly above average playmaker. Like he's able to drive and kick out to an open teammate. Um, it's not a skill that he goes to all the time. Again, um, I think ultimately for Davison, it's can you get away from just using your athleticism to score and can you use it to make plays? Can you use it to create a shot on the perimeter? Um, and I think that that's where his kind of next step is, is taking the obvious athleticism that he possesses and using it to play more of a well-rounded game on offense. Yeah. And, you know, did you spot any weaknesses when uh, following J.D. Davidson? I, th there was something that stood out to me as a glaring weakness, although I know that there was something that you wanted to mention that I think is pretty interesting. Um, but what I noticed is kind of what I've said that he just looks to drive way too much. Um, he's more, he's more of a kind of, he's not really a facilitating point guard. He's more of an attacking point guard, which again, not the worst thing in the world, but I'd like to see him kind of run an offense a little bit more than just kind of get the ball and drive inside, maybe be a little bit more unpredictable in that sense. Um, he's a, I don't think he's that actually bad of a defender. Um, he's, he's solid team defender. He rebounds fairly well for, for his position. Um, just maybe trying to make more plays on defense using that athleticism to anticipate a pass and get a steal, push the ball in transition where he's so good. I think those are two, two spots where he's got to get better. Um, yeah. So what have you noticed? Okay. So there is one of the most, uh, predictable things ever that I noticed in JD Davidson's game. And um, whenever there's a pick and roll play that his coach designs, whether it's grassroots or uh, high school, he actually gives the play away, but I don't think players notice it because they don't pay attention enough. Mm -hmm. Whenever there's a pick and roll offensive setting, he kind of does this thing where he dribbles with one hand and he bounces to the front, you know, to pass half court, he bounces past half court, and then he goes through the pick and roll. Every time there has been a pick and roll play drawn up from an out of bounds timeout, uh, he always does that bounce and then it's crossover until the pick and roll and then he decides from there. So basically, uh, you know, if when you get to like another level and, you know, scouting reports come out, that's going to be in the scouting report. I mean, that's giving away a whole play right there to where, you know, a whole offense can break down because all of the play we we're about to run, now we just got to, you know, improvise which you know it works in basketball but uh you're kind of taking a guaranteed bucket away from your team most of the time yeah I think that that is such a great insight and that's not something I noticed so a really good observation because if you if you kind of are able to pick that out as a defense and it's such an obvious tell as something that you've said that w when Davison kind of does that bounce and then hits the pick and roll you kind of know where he's going to be um then that kind of breaks it down because Davison as we both said, he's, he's a decent playmaker, um, but he kind of can, he doesn't have the best improvisation skills right now. Um, and that'll, that'll get better at time, obviously, but he's not at the point where if he has a tell like this, he can, he can make it work for himself. And so I think, I think that's a great thing you brought up that he has to either be a little bit more creative with how he enters a pick and roll or, show that he can make plays happen when a pick and roll breaks down. And I think what either, or obviously preferably both of those two things would really kind of help him be more diverse on offense. Yeah. And would you say that he is maybe the most athletic player in the class or. 
Oh, I thought about this and this is really, I mean, I think he's top three at least. Um, as I look at this, as you look at this ranking, uh, Jaden Hardy's definitely up there. Um, guys we've talked about, Jaden Hardy, Mike Foster are definitely extremely athletic. Um, another guy who we're gonna get to is Kendall Brown. Um, I think also has a case for most athletic or most bounce in the class. Um, but Davidson absolutely is near the top. And if you put him at the top, I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. It's just so apparent that he plays above the rim so much. Yeah, it's rare that we've seen a guard like this uh, in a while. I'd probably say the last guard we've seen like this is uh, Jalen McHugh, who's about the same height as J.D. Davidson. So it's ironic that, uh, you know, those 6'2", the 6'4 guards, uh, a lot of times nowadays you're either a pure scorer or you're just freakishly athletic, and somehow you make it to the NBA off of your athleticism. Um, but, yeah, um, any more on J.D. Davidson? Uh, I think, I guess to kind of go this route, because we know he's committing, uh, we're recording this episode around noon Eastern time, Eastern time. He's committing at five Eastern time, um, four central time. If I have time zones, right. I've messed that up before. Um, <laughs> but Davison, obviously like his commitment is today. I think it's a great time then to break down where we think he might go. Um, he has a top six. Those are Alabama, Auburn, Memphis, Kansas, LSU, and Michigan, all, all great schools that I think on paper would kind of make sense in a different way. Um, but I guess I, I'd lead it to you first as, as kind of the expert on different type of school fits with recruits. Um, where, do you, where do you see Davison making his decision in about five hours from now? Well, I'm going to have to go with Alabama. Um, you're looking at a team that's preseason SEC number one this year, I believe, coming into this uh, current basketball season. And, you know, if they play well and, you know, like the ranked team that they're projected to be, have a good tournament run. Uh, if J.D. Davidson is looking at that kind of things and with a team that's possibly could return a lot of people, um, I think he goes to Bama. Nate Oates is a great coach in recruiting. We saw what he did at Buffalo. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't count the other Alabama schools out. Uh, Auburn, uh, Memphis is on a hot streak right now. Uh, LSU has Will Wade. Uh, we've seen what he does. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Kansas, I don't think he's a Kansas guard. Uh, you know, Kansas guards are usually are more like uh, a mature type of game. You look at Devon Dotson, very mature type game. O'Shea Abaji, uh, these are mature guards. Uh, so I'm going to roll with Bama. What about you? I am also going to go with Bama, I think, just because he, one, is from Alabama. Obviously, that's going to be a, a plus for Alabama and Auburn. Um, but also, yeah, he just fits kind of what the big recruit names have been from Alabama recently. Colin Sexton is a great example. Kara Lewis, even a guy like John Petty. Um, he's just kind of an athletic, athletic guard who's able to blow by you, break you down off the dribble maybe not the most skilled incoming freshman, which was the case with, with um, Sexton, but it's very similar in that, in that way that he's kind of uses a combination of speed and great finishing ability to, to make plays happen. Um, Auburn obviously has really come a long way in their recruiting game. They obviously just got Sharif Cooper. He's coming into that class and I, I'm assuming he'll be one and done. So he'll be gone by the time Davison would potentially step in. But yeah, I think I agree with you. Alabama and Auburn are the two 
leading candidates just because of the, the home state ties and the obvious fits at both schools. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was JD Davidson guys. Uh, I know he's an internet sensation. So a lot of you probably already know who he is, but you know, this is the breakdown that a lot of people don't cover. And, you know, we cover things uh, that a lot of people are scared to go into when talking about their favorite player in an argument or a debate. Uh, but yeah, so our next guy is actually already chosen his school, uh, Duke commit, uh, 6'6 small forward, AJ Griffin. Um, who's honestly one of my favorite players in this class. But I think Ethan knows way more about him actually than me. So I'm going to let Ethan start this one off again. I mean, you, uh, man, you found me out in the opening. Yeah, I am a extreme, I'm an extreme AJ Griffin fan. Um, he just brings there, like you watch him play. And I genuinely, I don't say this too much. I don't think there is a single like red flag glaring flaw in his game I think he is at least average to above average at just about everything that he does he's six seven wingspan is long potentially seven feet I've heard seven feet again those get exaggerated at the high school level but it's it's long um and he he's a great ball handler for his size he was kind of the secondary I watched a lot more of him at Stepanak um partially because they're a great program partially because they had uh, their center, Malcolm Chimezi, committed to BU, which is, well, that's a big get for BU, by the way. That's a mid-major program. But anyway, so so I was watching them, but obviously I was keeping an eye on Griffin. He was the secondary playmaker for that team. Like he was kind of the secondary ball handler um, and he did a great job. He was a good passer, great ball handler. He has a pull-up game. He can hit shots from all three levels with pr- pretty solid consistency. Um, pretty quick shot. It looks pretty good. Um, powerful player. I wouldn't say he relies on his power and weaponizes it like JD Davison does, for example, but definitely a power finisher. Um, great shot blocker on defense. Pretty solid team defender, and there's a lot of potential there just with his size. He's already 210, 215. And when we talk about these kind of 6'7, six, 6'8 six, wings, a lot of them you're going to see are undersized and skinny. Griffin is fairly well built already and he's going to be a high school senior and so there's just so he has such a solid foundation where he is right now and there still is so much room for him to grow that yeah I think I'd put him it's tough it's really close I would put him I know he's like seven ish in most rankings I'd probably put him three or four so this is the guy that we were talking about that belongs in the top three (laughs) yeah and I, and you you knew which is fair to you. I think I hyped him up off air. Um, but I yeah, I'm all in on this guy. I think he's such a he's such an NBA type of player. He's a player that an NBA or a college is gonna want. Um, and we'll go into we'll go into his fit as fit at Duke, but like it's so easy to see how he can succeed at any level that he plays at. Yeah, and like Ethan was saying, he knows I'm very big on this uh, with mm-hmm. body types and all that type of stuff. Um, you know, like I always say, I usually lean towards the 6'8", to, you know, 6'10", versatile guys. But honestly, man, it's so hard not to pass up on A.J. Griffin. Um, NBA-level type body is just what automatically stands out at you already in high school. Uh, like Ethan said, 6'7", uh, around the 215 range. 
And, you know, the wingspan, that only helps because uh, that's a multi-position defender, which we already see in high school. He can pretty much guard, you know, what's considered one through five in high school because in high school, you usually play centers around six, eight, unless you're in a prep battle. Then you get to the seven footers and 16 guys like that. Um, but A.J. Griffin, extreme athleticism. And uh, like Ethan was saying, even though he has the body type, he just doesn't lean towards it in his game. Uh, so he doesn't abuse his power, which we know he could. And, you know, I like that a lot. But an underrated aspect of his game is he wants to win. And you don't see that in a lot of kids nowadays. He's a winner. And, um, you know, how do I, you know, get that prediction? Because he literally was grabbing offensive rebounds in his highlight tapes. You know, how many big companies put uh, offensive rebounds in the highlight tapes? You don't see offensive rebounds, power dribbles, you know, shoulder and a chest, and then a layup in mixtapes and stuff like this. So that's how I knew that, you know, even though they don't want to say it or they usually don't break down into it, places like Ball is Life, they are seeing the body type and, you know, the strength that he has, which honestly, automatic McDonald's All-American, automatic all those events. Um, you know, could he be in the top three? I think he could be in the top three because of his body alone. And I think a lot of analysts, they forget that body types are what a lot of NBA scouts look at. So there's things that about A.J. Griffin that he literally cannot touch the court but his physical attributes could put him in the NBA game right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And he's he's playing 6-7, but combination of his body type, his ball handling, um, doesn't have the greatest. I guess that would be a one knock on him. Is he, he's not, I wouldn't call him explosive, uh, but he is, as, we, as you've said and as I've said, he's powerful. Um, he's going to be a mismatch at the two. He's probably a two or a three when he gets to the NBA, he's going to be a mismatch at both positions because of his craftiness at the three spot and his power at the shooting guard. Um, and couple that with the shot making, which is already pretty good and probably is going to get a lot better. There's just, there's so much to like, and he can be a number one scoring option. He could be a second scorer and a playmaker um, going to be a solid defender. Don't have to worry too much about that end. It's just, the combination of his high floor and honestly equally high ceiling, there's just so much to like about him. Yeah. If you can't tell yet, I'm, I really like it. <laughs> um, so, you know, when it comes to him fitting in at Duke, um, it's, it's hard year. Uh, you look at Duke and everybody they have right now and their front court is kind of getting stacked uh, because guys who honestly, I wouldn't say they didn't play up to their expectations, but I think it was kind of a welcoming to the college game. When you look at guys like Matthew Hurd and Wendell Moore, who we saw, you know, thrive in high school, you know, we didn't expect them to be going to college for two years. Uh, Duke has a lot going on right now, you know, in the front court, you know, I'd say three through five, but guards, they actually need guards maybe after this year. Uh, but A.J. Griffin, of course, he's going to play. Uh, maybe we could see him at that two spot, but mainly the three, four in that area in college, most likely. Um, I think uh, we have Payalo Benchero, who's also committed to Duke in his class. Um, I think he could start at the three if he goes, and I think that's what he saw, you know, with the potential of Wendell Moore. I don't know if he goes uh, out leaves to the NBA after this year either. 
I honestly didn't see Wendell Moore going to college more than one year, but after watching his first year, it's kind of picky. So I say AJ Griffin starts maybe at the three at Duke. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's, I think he's a three. And as you said, Wendell Moore had a rough introduction to college basketball. I would guess he's probably still going to at least try to go after this year, as long as everything goes well and he makes improvements. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit crowded in the front court area because you mentioned Benchero. Pat Baldwin is someone we've predicted, and a lot of people have, um, will also be at Duke. So potentially that's your three, four, five with Griffin, Benchero, and Baldwin. Obviously, it's a fantastic three, four, five. It's probably one of the best three, four, five rotations that you could have in a recruiting class, but it's going to be interesting. I think Pat Baldwin, assuming that he goes to Duke, is probably your top scoring option. Griffin is close behind him as like a 1B and a and a passer and a playmaker. I guess that's how I would see it filtering out. But I mean, there still is, depending on how this high school season goes, obviously there's so much that's a wild card, but maybe Griffin asserts himself as an alpha scorer. Maybe Pat Baldwin, I don't know why he would, but maybe he struggles and then they kind of learn to share the load together. It's it, it's going to be interesting, but Griffin definitely is going to have a big role at Duke wherever wherever he's slotting in. Yeah, and, you know, with those three guys potentially coming in, you know, we're honestly going to see them start, uh, in my opinion. But there's a couple of guys at Duke that, you know, I don't know if they leave after this year. Uh, Matthew Hurt, again, I don't know if he leaves. Um Henry Coleman is there, uh, Mark Williams. I think Mark Williams may leave, though, just because of his potentials as a seven-footer and, you know, wingspan. We look at stuff like that, uh, physical attributes for the NBA. But I think, yeah, those three guys, they come in, whether they get Pat Baldwin or not, I think Payalo and A.J. Griffin, they go in and start maybe at the three and four. That's my prediction for those two guys. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'd probably be with you. And you think, like, that team could be so good depending on who goes and who stays and at the guard positions too. Like you have, it's, it's DJ Stewart and Jeremy Roach are the two guards they have. I believe I might be missing someone, but imagine one of them for whatever reason, doesn't take that jump to the NBA and stays all of a sudden that is a stacked, stacked team. Yeah. And, you know, I think, It'll be very hard for that to happen, though, because the ball is going to be in their hands so much because Duke doesn't really have any other guards uh, besides Jordan Goldwire, who's been there a long time. and He's more of a role player guard, uh, which you don't see a lot in college. But I think the ball is going to be in their hands so much that they're just going to have no choice but to thrive. They might turn into volume shooters a little bit, uh, which may help them get to the NBA, but you know, honestly, I don't see them staying. But if they do stay, man, Duke, if they don't win it all the next year, it's going to be kind of hard on Coach K because this is probably one of the most one of the talented teams we've, like, ever seen. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch and scary for a lot of other teams for sure. Yeah, so any other things on A.J. Griffin or anything that we missed? I think that covers it. Just if you're if you're going to pick a – a sleeper number one overall pick two or three years from now, I would watch this guy for sure. See, this is how big Ethan is, guys. <laughs> he went from like top three player in the class to number one pick. Well, I, 
I mean, like, I, I don't know if I'd, I wouldn't go with him as number one pick. Just like if he was there, I wouldn't be surprised. And you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for AJ Griffin, guys. We're going to jump into another interesting prospect in the class, um, a 6'7". They have him listed as a small four, but I, I believe he's a shooting guard. Uh, we're talking about Kendall T. Brown, who's a Baylor commit. And um, I guess I'll start off with Kendall. Uh, I know a little bit more. Uh, my cousin, for you guys who don't know, he attended Sunrise Christian. Uh, he got to see a lot of the guys there, play with them, of course. He played for the prep school, and he's at Georgia State now. And uh, he told me, he said, Kendall T. Brown, I didn't know him at the time. He said, bro, I'm trying to tell you, he's a top five kid. And I said, wow. let me see what you're talking about. And I go and watch him. And this is what he's number one in the class, the number one off-ball person in the class. And he doesn't even shoot off-ball. It's, you know, back cuts, uh, screen into drops, you know, uh, drop screens, flip screens, uh, off-ball screens, curl movement from the baseline into a dunk. Um, freakish athleticism as well. I think that's an underrated aspect of his game just because he's 6'7". You know, people, oh, he doesn't have to do so much to dunk. But if you see his dunks, he actually dunks with power. Uh, when it comes to the jump shot, it's kind of weird. It's all in one smooth motion, so I can't really be mad. But it's something that he doesn't lean to a lot. But he can make open shots, and I've seen the ability. So, you know, Ethan, uh, what do you see in this game? I think you nailed it um, to, start, to start with off the ball. And also, I would just add, I, I know I – mentioned his name quickly earlier his his bounce is ridiculous like i'm i watched a couple games a couple highlight reels um he gets his head to the rim on every dunk that he throws down it's unbelievable and you mentioned off the ball he's really hard to stop he's got great speed um great explosiveness great awareness of when to cut off the ball um, and obviously his finishing ability is insane. And so the, he's really, really hard to stop in that area. He also, uh, let me pull up his notes. He's, he's great in transition. And I think he could be even better because his handle is, is a little rough at times. Um, seems like he's trying to do too much and just doesn't have the coordination down yet, but he, you can tell he wants to push it in transition. And if he could do that with a better handle, I think he'd be almost unstoppable on the fast break. Um, He's six, he's six, seven ish, six, eight, maybe Um, again, pretty long. I think he's got to, like a lot of guys in this class, he's got to put on some more weight and muscle. He's only 24, seven has him as only 180 pounds. He looks a little bit stronger than that, but he's got a, especially with his, with his bounce. If he added, if he got to say 210 even, or even 200, um, he would just be really tough to stop with that combination of physicality and, and bounce um, shot is okay. And he, he can make shots from all levels as I guess this is similar to what I said with Davison. It just doesn't look like he has a consistent pull-up game. You see a lot of his, a lot of his three point shots, he's knocking down. They look good, but they're spot. A lot of them are spot ups, not too much off the dribble. Um, he's a pretty good playmaker. I would also say, um, when he when he's driving the lane, he's he's not afraid to kind of slow it down and then hit an outlet pass or or thread the needle to someone else cutting. I, I'd say he's an underrated playmaker and yeah, just a 
fantastic, fantastic cutter. Um, if his shot comes around, he is such he's almost like the perfect off ball weapon with the way that he's able to time his cuts. And if he could make some shots from the perimeter a little bit more, I don't know how you stop that. He's because he's also, he's pretty fast and he's just going to dissect you because he can know exactly what you want to do and then just do the other thing. I, yeah. Kendall Brown. I hadn't seen a whole ton of before this episode and I was really blown away by the potential that he has. Yeah, and I think he goes into that conversation of what we were talking about uh, either last episode or the episode before. I think one of those guys who's going to make a great role player in the future but can potentially turn into, you know, uh, Clay Thompson-esque with a little bit of athleticism if he improves his jump shot. So, you know, an off-ball guy who doesn't take very many dribbles but takes effective dribbles. I think he can turn into that. Um, he's kind of like in comparison with Caleb Houston right now, except he doesn't have the shot, but Caleb Houston doesn't have, you know, the athleticism that he has. So they both like have the same type game, but they play it in two different ways. One's a shooter, one's more of a get to the rim guy. And, uh, you know, speaking of Caleb Houston, for those of you who don't know, he announces his school, I think, uh, October the 7th. So that's a couple of days or four days from now. I so did not know that. Wow. It's a lot of recruiting going on right now, especially in the last couple of months. Uh, this is probably the first time we've seen classes, you know, go ahead and commit. Uh, will these guys stay committed? Who knows? But, you know, back to Kendall Brown. Um, I think he's going to make a great role player in the NBA. Uh, I think he tries to do more than a role in college to get to the NBA. Uh, but when he eventually gets to the NBA, I think they play him as, a, you know, maybe a, you can't say three and D wing, but it's, it's going to be a something in D-Wing uh, because playing at Sunrise, uh, you know, it's a system over there, uh, but the system preaches defense first, and that's why they were able, you know, if Geico Nationals happened this year, they were going to be in it. And Sunrise didn't lose, I don't think, at all this year, or they didn't lose very many games. But, you know, the system they have on defense, it's a man-to-man, but it's a strong man-to-man where everybody helps each other. So that's how I know that he knows how to play in the system and he's willing to play in it that's where I'm getting this role player predicament from. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense just because he he probably is not going to be an on-ball scorer at, at, at most levels. Um, he's just going to be a weapon off the ball. And and you can tell he, ha- he has a high IQ. He's going to thrive in a system that, one, lets him do a lot of cutting and also doesn't place too much pressure on him to create his own shot. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think a role player type like that, I don't know if I would even have a really great player comp for him, but you don't really need it. He's, he's going to be a weapon. As long as you put, if you put him next to a, a ball dominant playmaker, playmaking point guard, or kind of a leading wing that is an alpha scorer that can also make some plays, he's going to be really useful for them as like a weapon. Yeah, because what we saw this year was, you know, at Sunrise, he was the highest recruited guy. But like you said, they had a ball-dominant great point guard in Jaden Stone, who a lot of people don't know about. And uh, I didn't know about him uh, until last year. Uh, He came to Arkansas, actually, to play in our biggest tournament, Real Deal in the Rock. And uh, he drops 30 on our only EYBL team. And I was like, who is this guy? And uh, they say Jaden Stone, I look him up and he's a top 50 guy in ESPN. 
uh, who a lot of people don't know about. He took a different route. I think he's committed to Grand Canyon or something like that when he had, you know, Auburn, Florida State, all those schools. So interesting to see where he goes there. Uh, but this year, you know, Kennedy Chandler is at Sunrise Christian, another great point guard who is actually going to complement Kendall Brown more, in my opinion. Uh, do you think he thrives even more this year with uh, playing with a guard like Kennedy Chandler? Yeah, I think I think Chandler is, is kind of a great – I think they're going to both complement each other really well. I think that you bring Chandler, who's able to break down a defense um, – with his speed, with his athleticism, with his great ball handling skills. Um, and that's going to open up a lot for Kendall Brown. And at the same time, Kendall Brown being the cutter finisher, hopefully an improved shooter is going to really help Kennedy Chandler develop his playmaking, which I think he can continue to develop. And so, yeah, I think you couldn't ask for a better weapon for Kennedy Chandler to have than Brown. Um, and for Brown, that's the type of guy who's going to get you more easy feeds so that you can keep getting kind of easy buckets and using your bounce. Yeah. And, you know, a huge shout out to Scott Drew at Baylor. Um, we've seen him on a recruiting tear lately, and we've seen Baylor on a playing tear lately as well. Uh, multiple number one, you know, at times this year and the past years, they're always somewhere in the top 15, top 10 range. Uh, you know, Kendall Brown, Langston Love, all these guys. Baylor is, is there. Baylor may be considered, you know, as one of the Blue Bloods right now. You know, they're not one of the typical Blue Bloods, but they are right now. And, uh, you know, Scott Drew, What? how do you think Scott Drew, how did he even get Kendall Brown? Man, I don't know, because Baylor's always kind of kind of surprised me as a program. You don't really think of them as a as a powerhouse basketball school usually. Um, but they've really, as you said, they've snuck up and just been a consistently great program. And I think that probably is what the pitch was to Brown is, Hey, you're going to be put in a winning environment with a system that has been proven to succeed at the college level. And one, you're going to get plenty of opportunities because we are not kind of trying to funnel in recruits to get them ready for the NBA and try and divvy out scoring responsibilities and make sure everyone has, has equal time. Um, so we can get you kind of opportunities as a finisher within our system, because we run something that is so rock solid and proven to win games. And so I think that must've been some of the pitch. I think maybe also just the fact that he can kind of create a name because Baylor doesn't bring in to my knowledge, a whole ton of, five-star recruits like it's pretty it's pretty rare and so I think for him to kind of make his own name at Baylor in that sense is also probably something that they pitched that way too and again that's a program that will get him ready for the NBA too it's not like Baylor is a program where you get stuck there for four years and you become a great college player and never make the league like you're still going to be successful and be projectable at Baylor so I think it's a good fit yeah, and you hit it right on. You know, I don't even have to say anything else. <laughs> but, yeah, so that was Kendall Brown for you guys, um, one of the best players, off-ball players, if not the best in the class. Uh, so next, our last guy is one uh, whose rankings are all over the place. Uh, you know, the websites are so crazy nowadays. Uh, Peyton Watson. So we're going to the West Coast with this guy. He's a California guy. Um 
you know, I didn't know a lot about him, and I know Ethan probably is going to go in uh, deeper than me, uh, but I'm going to tell you guys what I know as well. But I think Ethan uh, is best to start off with, with Peyton Watson. Yeah, I can lead it off. He, Watson kind of confused me, honestly. He um, He's a really interesting player because he, again, at 6'7"-ish, He's, he's very powerful. Um, he's only 190, but he plays with strength, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, he lowers his shoulder, able to kind of create space and finish at the rim. Um, he's a good rebounder, solid playmaker out of drives. Like he, he again, is a, he attacks the basket, but it's not like he's getting tunnel vision and only looking to finish at the rim. Um, he's another wing with pretty good bounce. I wouldn't put him on Kendall Brown's level, but definitely, definitely can finish strong. Um, another long wing, six seven wingspan looks probably at least six ten six eleven, um, and you see that with a lot of guys in this class. That's just what modern rankings makers are really realizing is what colleges and the NBA values are these long wings. And so it's good that they're finally on that train. Uh, he's a good shot blocker too. Uh, I wouldn't call him an elite defender, but the shot blocking plus his size and speed makes for a quality defender or at least quality defensive potential of uh, weaknesses for me. His jumper's a little weird. Um, his elbows kind of, I know for podcasting people, you're not going to see this, but they're not, it's not really like your 90 degree elbow jumper. He's more, I wouldn't put him on like Lamello territory, but he sets up and his elbows are kind of almost in a triangle, which works, which works in cases, but it's a little, it's a little weird. Doesn't get a lot of jump on his jump shot, doesn't use his legs too much. And so that has me a little bit worried about how that's going to translate to the next level when you have defenders that are going to be doing a better job on him. Um, but yeah, there's, I wouldn't say I'm hyped about Peyton Watson in the way I am about AJ Griffin and Kendall Brown, but there's definitely a lot to like, because he uses strength, even though he's undersized, like there's, there's potential if he keeps growing that he can be a tough mismatch. Yeah, and, you know, outside of the 6'8 to 6'10 guys, you know, that I like, I like long, uh, smooth guards. <laughs> very smooth to watch. Um, he has one of the deadliest hesitations who we haven't seen in a long time since Antonio Blakeney in high school or Ronaldo Segu. Uh, he's one of the guys that's bringing the hesitation back in his game. I think it's one of his best moves on offense to honestly blow by a defender because he's not very quick. Um, when you were talking about the jump shot, you know, I think that's why he doesn't shoot a lot of threes because of his mechanics. The only time he seems to be comfortable in shooting is like um, just like J.D. Davidson for some reason, uh, the bounce move into the fading away towards the baseline. That uh, pull-up jumper right there is what, you know, we've seen a lot of now from recruits. But that was his most comfortable shot. And, you know, we talk, you talked about the shot blocking, which is like kind of always stood out to me, you know, how long he is and stuff. But I think that honestly, watching his shot blocking, watching his shot blocking, uh, pointing out one of his weaknesses, which is lateral quickness and on ball defense, mm -hmm. you know, he was able to recover because, you know, him being long and him being 6'7. But, you know, a lot of times if you look at those clips where he was getting those, you know, come from behind blocks or reach over blocks, it's because he got blew by. And I think that's something that he needs to work on. You know, honestly, a lot of high school players, their lateral quickness is not going to be very good yet because they haven't known to focus on it. 
until you get to the next level and then the highest level. So I think if he improves on his lateral quickness, then he can become what the NBA will probably turn him into a versatile defender with a little bit of scoring ability. And, you know, I think he'll be great then. So this is another guy where, you know, in high school, he's going to be a ball player, you know, on ball player. But I think as we progress to the next level, maybe not at UCLA, they may play him on ball there. But in the NBA, I think this is another guy that maybe turns into a role player. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And actually, I want to toss up this player comparison because you're an Indiana guy. Um, And so I was watching, I was on YouTube looking at games, looking at other guys' breakdowns. And one of the people they had is a, I wish I could, I'm sorry out there, I don't remember your name, but you had a great breakdown video of Peyton Watson. And the player comp was Troy Williams. Um, And I know he played at Indiana. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on Troy Williams. Do you see something similar in Peyton Watson? Um, that's kind of, if for those of my Indiana fans out there, Troy Williams was a love-hate relationship <laughs> because of how fast he played. And, you know, he plays way faster than Peyton Watson, way more out of control. Um, is that a good comparison? Body-wise, you know, it is. And um, um, maybe finishing ability, but I think Peyton Watson actually has a better jump shot than Troy Williams. Uh, but that's actually a decent comparison. But Troy Williams was like so crazy and out of control that and and Watson is like so smooth that that's kind of like what contrasts each other. OK, yeah, I think that makes sense. And I remember watching I didn't watch too much of Williams at Indiana, but I remember watching him when he got to the league and and there it was it was iffy on what he'd be able to do on offense. And then at times defense was okay, but there were also some lapses and yeah, it was kind of a, he was a strange guy to watch too. And so I guess kind of to, to finish this up, um, he, as you said, he's going to UCLA. That to me seems like an interesting get for UCLA. Obviously, I mean, as far as the pitch, he's a local guy. Um, obviously UCLA is a great school. It makes sense, but he, to me personally, he doesn't seem like the type of player they usually go after. Um, it's usually like your your playmaking guards, um, and then kind of your your like raw bigs that you go for. I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know how much success they've had getting these kind of combo guard wing ish type of players that Peyton Watson is. Yeah, I think the last time that they had a player like Peyton Watson, who I think is a great comparison, uh, I think it's Isaiah Hamilton, um, another guy. He was like in the 6'5", 6'6", range. He played when Lonzo was there. I think he was a senior or a junior when Lonzo was there. He's the last guy that I've seen with Peyton Watson-type game, except his shot was there. Um, We don't see this a lot, like you said, uh, these type of players with UCLA – it's really like the raw bigs and you play making guards. Tiger Campbell's there right now. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of guards right now. This is what surprised me. And then in his class, Will McClendon, who I know you saw, get to, got to saw a lot. Yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his. <laughs> yeah, he's in his class, Will, another guard. Um, I think Peyton Watson automatically starts, you know, when he goes to UCLA, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, we're seeing this with the recent UCLA uh, new coaching staffs. Um, another guy around Peyton Watson's height, I don't know if you know this guy, but Chris Wilkes. Um, yeah. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he's kind of another comparison that I can see 
So is this a new trend, do you think, for UCLA going after these type of guys? Yeah, maybe. maybe. And maybe it's just because Watson's the most high profile of these guys. It sounds like, from what you've said, they've always kind of looked at players like him. Um, But maybe he's just the biggest name they've been able to land. But I think that's interesting because they, I mean, they've had so much success. Yes, they've gotten bigs, but I mean, they've had so much success getting good point guards and getting good playmaking guards. So I think being able to build getting these kind of player types like Watson on top of that would be just really big to show, hey, we're, we can recruit into our system at all positions. And it's not, we're not just point guard you, although I know obviously that's not their moniker, that's Kentucky's, but we're not a point guard centered school. We can, we can kind of fit you into our system, no matter your position, if you fit kind of the player type mold. So I, I think it's a, it's going to be an underrated good get as far as what they're able to recruit for down the road too. Yeah. And like you were saying, uh, UCLA, they may, I don't know, point guard you, uh, they recruit a lot of good point guards. Man. I can't even be mad at it, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kentucky is really everything you, if you go to Kentucky, you're yeah. most doing what it done. Um, but yeah, um, anything else on Peyton Watson or anything that we missed? I think that kind of covers it. He's an interesting player, but I think he's one of the guys where I really hope that he makes a lot of leaps in his progression senior year. I think he has a lot more to prove than maybe some of the other guys. Yeah. So if we had to rank these four guys right here, just these four guys along, uh, what order would you put them in? Okay. Uh, Griffin is leaps and bounds number one, just because he's so awesome. Um, number two, I think I'd actually go Kendall Brown. Bear, it's close between him and Davison. I think I'd go, I think I'd go Brown just because of him being more versatile than Davison is right now. Although Davison, in his own right, has a lot of, a lot of different strengths. But I'd probably go Brown, Davison, Watson at four, just because Watson. There's a little bit more I need to see as far as him being able to produce. Yeah, and I honestly, my list is exactly the same as yours. I like J.D. Davison a lot, but I think Kendall Brown has the more complete game right now. And that, uh, what I broke down, that weakness about J.D. Davison, that's really been like a huge, you know, setback for me to him because I pay attention to that a lot, man. I don't see how people have not seen that, but <laughs> it, it kind of just turned me away from J.D. Davison a lot. Don't get me wrong. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. Uh, not knocking on his game, but that right there, that was like, that's one of the most weirdest things I've ever seen. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So today guys, we covered AJ Griffin, um, Kendall Brown, JD Davidson and Peyton Watson. Um, you guys can check out all those guys. They're huge on social medias, which is what high school players are now. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> We're in a new era. Um, you guys can also check out our social medias. Uh, we have many of them across the platform. We have Instagram, uh, Twitter, um, YouTube, you know, we even have a TikTok. uh, who's, you know, doesn't decide if they want to get banned or not, but it's a great app. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so we appreciate you guys uh, for checking out this episode, if you did make it this far. And uh, we appreciate all the support. Check out our social media handles. Uh, It's been Rashad Landers, and that's Ethan Fuller. And you guys have a great day.